2: And I am Allison Renborg in beautiful Lebanon, Tennessee, and you are listening to the monthly Equine Affair episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 18th, episode 3001. This episode is brought to you by Equine Affair. Good morning, Horse World.
1: It's the third Thursday of the month. That means it's time for the Equine Affair episode, North America's premier equine expo and equestrian gathering.
0: Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We all hope you're having a terrific day and that you thoroughly enjoyed episode 3000 yesterday. If you missed that, uh, go back and take a listen to yesterday. We had a lot of contributions from listeners and uh, people who have listened to us for for 12 years. So uh, it was a lot of fun being at Jamie's to do that. And Allison, it's good to be here with you today talking about something we're going to be in person for in a few months.
2: Well, let me stop and say congratulations on 3,000 episodes. Thank you. Yeah, pretty. we just That's forgot crazy. to quit.
0: So <laughs> you can put in your uh, two weeks' notice <laughs> yeah, yeah. whenever, now, I guess. <laughs> Well, now we want to go for 6,000, you know, it's like, all right, we did 3,000 now that, you know, it's funny because when you first start a podcast, you celebrate 50 episodes and then you celebrate a hundred and then you celebrate Mm -hmm. 200 and then 500 and they get wider and further apart. And now we're in the thousands. So, you know, now, you know, 500 is not enough. So I think the next celebration will be 4,000. So. Yeah,
2: it's <laughs> so. kind of like birthdays when you get older, yes. they they just stop being as exciting. And then you're like, oh, man, here's another one. We'll yeah, just you actually wish you had the rest of them. <laughs> yes, so, it's true. I, I finally reached that point, I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm way past that one. <laughs> you have a lot of guests. Tell us who's coming up on today's show.
2: Yeah, so today we are shedding a little bit of light on the magic of Fantasia, which is Equine Affair's musical celebration of the horse. The show is sponsored by Absorbine. Fantasia is the entertainment cornerstone of Equine Affair and features outstanding equine and equestrian performances set to a range of musical styles. Join us today as we're going to chat with three of the stars of this fall's Fantasia, Laura Benson of the Knights of Iceland, Terry Jenkins of the Canadian Cowgirls, and Caleb Kerinchy-Ash, the Daring Horseman.
0: I'm so excited. I, everybody knows I love equestrian entertainers. This is right. I, you planned a perfect show for me today. So thank you. Appreciate that. I had you, I had you in mind. <laughs> I can't wait to see it in the fall. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. It's going to be pretty spectacular. I, I think it's been years and years since I've actually seen a Fantasia. So this is, this is going to be exciting.
2: Well, and every show's different, even even between. So it only runs for three nights for each show, uh, each Equine Affair. But each one's just a little bit different. Uh, when I started going to more than one, I was like, "Hey, that didn't happen last <laughs> night." So you never really know what's well, going to happen. Horses are horses? <laughs> well, <Yeah>. there
0: is that. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I don't care who the entertainer is, horses or horses. Yeah. I'm very excited about your lineup for today, and we're going to, because you have three, we're going to go right into it today, and we're going to start with who?
2: We've got Lauren Benson. Uh, She also goes by Lala. She is the team leader of the Knights of Iceland, which is a fabulous equestrian troupe of performers who will be appearing in Fantasia this fall in Massachusetts. Laura lives outside Seattle, Washington, where she runs her own Icelandic training and teaching operation, Valkyrie Icelandic. It is awesome to have you. I have been looking forward to this uh, ever since I booked you. So,
3: (laughs) (laughs) well, I hope I don't disappoint you.
0: Yeah, no pressure (laughs) there at all. (laughs) It's like she said, you better not stink.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I had that second cup of coffee. (laughs) I'm wishing
2: I had a third cup of coffee. I'm sorry. I'm I'm over. I'm a little tired today. I'm overcompensating. So, okay. Um, So, all right. I want to start off. Talk to me about Icelandic horses.
3: Oh, well, um, Icelandic horses, I think, are pretty special. And I know I'm biased, but um, I met them at a show similar to an equine affair style show as a young girl. And they fascinated me so much that I ended up moving to Iceland um, and uh, becoming an Icelandic horse trainer and becoming a part of that world and eventually going on to run the Knights of Iceland with the person that I met originally. Icelandic horses are smaller than other horse breeds, but they are considered horses, not ponies, because of their bone density. Uh, They are gated horses. They have five gates, meaning that we ride and train them in walk, trot, canter, like any other horse. But then we also have the tolt, which is a single foot gate uh, where the horse can go up to 30 miles an hour and not bounce at all. Um, and then they also have my personal favorite gate, which is the Flying Pace, and that is a two-beat lateral racing gate where we go up to 40 miles per hour, and it's super fun to ride.
2: So they're small but powerful. They're like a little steam train, like I'm thinking of a children's steam train.
3: <laughs> I think that's actually a great description. They're um, they're quite hardy, very durable. Uh, they have a very low flight instinct as opposed to other horse breeds mainly because there are no predators in Iceland. The only other land mammals are reindeer and foxes. So they really aren't afraid of much um, but they are also highly sensitive and very athletic and capable. So you can do anything from dressage to barrel racing to jumping. it just depends on the individual horse and and what their talents where their talents lie. Um, but they also just have a great heart and spirit, and we really try and, and preserve that in our breed, and we just absolutely love them.
0: Do they have to be in cold weather, or you know, how do they fare in Florida?
3: You know, I, I personally would say Florida isn't necessarily the greatest climate. For
0: them. <laughs> it's not the greatest climate for anything. I live here, so it's no. A, yeah. <laughs>
3: But, um, but they do well anywhere as long as you help them adapt. You know, I, I, my partner, Carrie, who is with us in the Knights of Iceland, she has a farm in Kentucky and in the summertime we turn them out at night and keep them in stalls during the day with fans. Um, I know some people that have Icelandics in Florida, they just keep them shaved year round, even though they do get short summer coats, they just try and keep them more comfortable. I had them in California, in Northern California for 17 years. And they did quite well there. It was a little bit cooler up where I was in Northern California, but um, they're, they're very adaptable as long as you help them. You know, there are some things that you will have to help them that is very different from being in Iceland.
2: Yeah. um, What it sounds like is they're like me. So I love to be cold and I grew up in Tennessee. And so being in a fan under a fan all day and like you need you need the help with the the air conditioning and all that. That sounds like me.
3: Um, (laughs) I think you're my long lost sister because I'm the same way. Like I hate being hot. If, if it's over like 72 degrees, I start complaining and I definitely need a fan on me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
2: You, you get me.
3: (laughs) I get you very much.
2: (laughs) So I was so intrigued. You mentioned this, but I'm just going to say it again. I was reading in your bio that you, you saw them when you were 13 And you became obsessed, and then you moved to Iceland, and you have become your whole life is Icelandic horses, and you run. uh, You're the is it the team leader of the Knights of Iceland? When you look back at your life, do you did you ever
3: think it would go that direction? (laughs) Um, No, honestly, I I laugh about it all the time. That I'm I think I'm going to be 38 or 39 in a few weeks. I don't even know anymore, but I feel like I've lived a (laughs) hundred lifetimes. I've done a lot of things and Iceland was the greatest gift ever given to me. I mean, I saw those horses and fell in love there uh, at that show with seeing those horses and the family invited me to Iceland. And when I went there, just being in a country that was so untouched, you know, there weren't really tourists there at the time and uh, seeing a culture that that was so uplifting of the horse and the horse was such an important part of the culture and their survival and their adaptation. Like that was just the most magical thing to me. And it just swept me away. And I, I consider Iceland home there, uh, home now I lived there for so long and it just, it really resonated with me. And I always moved as a kid, so I never had a real home, but Iceland just like, that was it. And those horses, man, they, they changed my life. So yeah, I I couldn't have seen that coming. Totally hit me upside the head, but it hit me so hard that I never looked back.
2: <laughs> well, and it sounds like you wouldn't change anything. It sounds like you are perfectly
3: fitted to what you were meant to do. Absolutely,
2: 100%. So about the culture and, and talking about how Iceland is just so different, how do you bring that with you here with your you have a training operation you have the knights of Iceland have you tried to translate that into something for audiences
3: I think for me the number one thing that really captured me about the Icelandic horse was their spirit um mm-hmm. when I saw those people ride in on their tiny crazy Muppet horses I giggled <laughs> for a second <laughs> you know like What is happening? (laughs) But then I was just in awe because they were going so fast and had so much power and were doing these insane drill moves at top speeds. Mm -hmm. But they were all having fun. They all had smiles on their face and they were just enjoying it and they didn't care about perfection, yet somehow it just all molded together. And to me, that spirit, that culture and joy in the horsemanship is what really – got me because that's what I loved about riding. And mm. I think that, you know, I've, I've been to university in Iceland as well as my partner, Carrie and Goodmar, who I run the team with. We've all been to the same school there and, and are very educated. But at the heart of our riding, we always try and bring that element that the horse should have the spirit and the joy first and foremost. And we work with that in our performances and also in our daily teaching and training. So I think that's that's something that we really don't want to lose.
2: Absolutely. And now that you, um, you've you grown up in that, you it's your whole life, do you ever ride any other breed of horse and feel kind of out of place?
3: <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Um, I actually still love to ride all breeds of horses. Um, nice. And when I have time off, which is never um, – <laughs> I like to work hey. with <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Um
3: I've done a lot of work with some Portuguese trainers in classical dressage, and I just feel like that element of riding really enhances what I do with the Icelandics. Um, that being said, do I feel out of place? Absolutely, 100%. I get on those big horses, and I feel like I forgot how to ride. <laughs> I know I know that a horse is a horse, but they're just bigger and they, they take a little bit longer to cue and do different things, whereas our horses are so quick and, and uh, zippy, we usually have to take more time in, in the calming and the slowness of the process, whereas with the big horses, I have to learn to be a little bit more active.:
0: um, Not to mention the bouncing.: you know, Not that. to mention
4: the bouncing.
3: <laughs> like, I have some Icelandics with a pretty impressive trot, but then I get on a big horse and I'm like, oh, God, OK, who needs a gym membership?
0: <laughs> All right. So let's get to the, to, to the Knights of Iceland. Obviously, we have you on because you're going to be part of Fantasia. What do the Knights of Iceland do? What can people expect to see?
3: Oh, boy. Well, number one, we're insane. Um, I think many of you know that. <laughs> <laughs> from us performing theirs over the years. Um, so the Knights are our number one most popular thing that we do is our fast-paced drill team. We usually have a team of six to ten riders, uh, and we ride in that drill in the Tolt, which is, as I mentioned before, the smooth four-beat single-foot gait. Um, and so that's a very technical act. Uh, it's usually about four or five minutes. We usually ride to some pretty fun heavy metal music, go really fast, do some crazy stuff. Um, and that's usually followed up by flying pace races, which is my favorite part. And there's often fire involved. (laughs) Um, we also have an act that we've been doing for the last couple of years where we started to incorporate my music into the act and I'm actually singing on horseback in Icelandic. Um, And then we have some also some fire elements and some horses moving around during that act. And in this show coming up, we actually have some new things we're going to be introducing that I'm very much looking forward to. (laughs) So, ah,
0: (laughs) who would you recommend to get an Icelandic? Who, if you, if somebody came up to you or, you know, if I said, who is the perfect person to own one of these, what would you say?
3: Honestly, anybody that has an adventurous spirit is looking for something that has its own personality. Icelandics are very personable horses. They're quite funny. Um, And, and just what it just is, is okay with being different. And it's not that these horses can't do what other horses do. It's just sometimes when people see you with them, they see you a little differently at first, but then when they get to know them, I think they end up wanting to get one, too.
0: <laughs> well, I was just thinking, speaking of that, I'm a carriage driver. Are they any good in harness?
3: I actually know quite a f- few people that do harness with them, and they love doing wow, it. I'm, be I'm terrified of driving a cart. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey, most riders are, by the way, so you're not unusual. My wife. hates I've to go driven
3: there. a hackney before. Yeah. We, we shared a barn with some hackney trainers, and it was so fun. But yeah, it absolutely to terrified my world. me having those hooves <laughs> in front of my face. Yeah.
0: Welcome to my world. <laughs> It'd be fun but yes, because they are,
3: they are very versatile.
0: Thirty miles an hour—that sounds fun and smooth. That means it's, the shafts aren't bouncing either. See, so uh, exactly. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. All right, I'm signed. I'll, I'll be part of your show. I'll come up. All right. I bring the All cart. right, bring it on. Yeah, Let's do right, it. All
3: right.
0: <laughs> I want to try it now.
2: <laughs> I think all those people who um, you've probably seen this. You know, gas prices are going up, and so non-horsey people will post that meme about like, "Hey, you're laughing at the Amish people now. Um, who wants to <laughs> ride horses?" And you know, so like. If we tell them about the Icelandic horses pulling carriages, they'll be like, yeah, we should do that. That's totally cheaper than gas. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, on the flip side of that, I do always laugh because I did just have to move out of California because hay prices were so high. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <that's- laughs> however, I definitely have the perfect horse breed set up for the apocalypse, so... I know they're not going to be afraid of zombies or flaming monsters, you know, they're going to be fearless, they're not afraid of fire and they can go really fast. So we're, I'm I'm set.
0: We're running out of time, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you that per- perfect transition. Are they easy keepers?
3: In general, yes, they're very easy keepers. That's what Sometimes I with the sport yeah. horses or stallions, you know, you're going to feed them a little extra fuel based on how much you're working them, but overall very, very easy.
0: I figured they would have to be to live in Iceland. (laughs) Yeah,
3: yeah. exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's
0: the the com is where you can find all the information. And, of course, they'll be in Fantasia. So uh, definitely look for them in Massachusetts in the fall. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, thank you all for having me. It was a great time.
0: Speaking of the fall, you're invited to join us in West Springfield, Massachusetts at the Eastern States Exposition on November 10th through the 13th, 2022 for Equine Affair. Elevate your equestrian experience by attending four days of educational horse clinics, sessions, and demonstrations. Enjoy networking with fellow horse lovers, shopping for the holidays, at the largest horse-related trade show in the East, bring lots of money and all your credit cards, participating in immersive horse activities, watching exciting competitions, and more. Tickets are on sale now at equineaffair.com. That's that's equineaffair.com. And ladies, I know you're going to bring that credit card that your husbands don't even know about because I know that happens all the time because so, I'm a horse husband. So <laughs> I know.
2: Equestrian artist Caleb Corinchi ash is the daring horseman. Originally from Gulfport, Florida, Caleb has been working with horses in show business for 21 years. He's performed in Arabian Nights, Cavalier, The Big Apple Circus, the feature film The Greatest Showman, and of course, he'll be performing in Fantasia this fall, too. Hi, Caleb. Welcome to the show. Hi, Allison. Thanks very much for having me. We're so glad to have you on. I've been looking forward to this ever since I got you on the phone last week uh, to set this up, and uh, Glenn has already told me my first question, so are you ready for this? I'm ready for it. All right. Tell us about your time on The Greatest Showman, the movie.
1: Um, Our time on The Greatest Showman um, was over the course of about a month. Um, We pulled in there with um, four beautiful white percherons that we bought uh, and uh, and a few of our friends that joined us. We set up our our tent um, with our mobile stables and everything, and we lived on set um, in the Marcy Armory uh, in Brooklyn for, uh, for about a month. So it was really, um, it was, it was so cool to be honest. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was so cool. We were, we were right behind, um, we were set up right behind video alley, which is where they do, um, which is where they have just all of their, um, all the monitors, um, for all the different cameras and everything. And there's like second unit directors back there and there's, uh, all the sound engineers and the video engineers and the editors and, uh, and everyone is just pouring over the video and watching it. So it was really great to just be like right back there and watch all the angles being shot all at the same time, and and to, just to have you know uh, 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 Robert De Niro came and visited uh, the set, and he came back and hung out in the stables and shook my hand and stuff, which was like you know lifelong dream of mine.
0: Well, yeah, and um, it's kind of cool because everybody's gravitates, even stars gravitate to the horses. So you're going to meet them, right?
1: That's and, you know, that 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 is like one real big benefit of having animals.
0: (laughs) Dogs and horses. You're you're golden. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, so I you know, we've interviewed lots of actors and we've interviewed lots of people who have done different movies. Was it constant retake after retake after retake? And did the horses get tired of that?
1: Um, You know, we actually didn't do a lot of filming. So there were at at any given on on any given day, there were there were between three and five hundred people on set. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like, you know, at one point we had 50, um, 50, very high level professional dancers going over and yeah, doing like take after take after take after take. And we had a bunch of circus, a bunch of people uh, that we knew from the circus. Um, uh, on from other shows and stuff all, from all over the world. And they were doing this one scene with a lot of different circus artists in it. Um, and so, like, there was a, a girl jumping, you know, 20 feet in the air on the Russian bar. There were hand balancers and jugglers and knife throwers and all that stuff. And, yeah, it was like, I don't know, I think they ended up doing, like, 40 takes. So the girl on the Russian bar finally was like, okay, can we stop? I can't sleep anymore. <laughs> um <laughs> They were they were great. Uh, They were great with the horses. We didn't um, they we really didn't overwork the horses at all. They really just Mm -hmm. like they really made sure that everything was completely put together and ready for us to come and do the shots. And then we were gone.
0: Well, Um, I I owned Percherons and I know for a fact that you can't overwork a Percheron because they'll just stop um they just they will just
1: stop, stop. yeah yeah not... yeah
0: <laughs> mine when they got tired just said oh that's it i'm done you guys can do it without me now um yeah <laughs>
1: I've, I've uh I've, I've worked with a couple of Percherons and they're yeah they're they definitely have that through line yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny
2: i think i am uh we we interviewed um a person about Icelandics earlier in the show I think I'm a cross between an Icelandic and a percheron so like oh. I like I like to be cold and I'm kind of you know I'm kind of temperamental but then if you push me too hard I'll just stop so I think I'm an Icelandic <laughs> percheron there cross. you go, there I, go. Th-
1: you're, you're, that's definitely a good spirit animal
2: <laughs> uh, that's my next tattoo right no, okay. yeah exactly that's funny. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh. But hey, um, at, at, at least you have a really interesting name. Right?
0: That's true. Yeah. 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 That is true.
2: So so that's so how did you get I, I guess did they just know, "Hey, we're going to call Caleb." How did you get that gig?
1: It actually happened through Cavalier. They they called Cavalier uh, because they had a they had a specific set of requirements and they they had they had some shots that they that they wanted and that they had already made the animation for. Mm-hmm. so like they, th- uh, There's this thing, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's called a previs. And mm-hmm. so they basically made the entire movie with CGI. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they, they took, the, it's kind of like storyboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they made the scenes already. The scenes were already done. They just hadn't been shot by live people yet. And so they already had their specifics. And so they called Cavalia. And Kavali said, wow, ah, we're, you know, we're doing other stuff. We're in China. We can't do it. But we know this, you know, we know this guy. If you're looking for bareback riders, we, we you know, uh, I worked there for a long time. So, yeah, they gave me the uh, uh, they gave me the recommendation. And then and then it was through, you know, um, uh, a process of elimination because they, they'd also called a couple of other people. And uh, we just ended up with the contract because we could give them what they wanted.
2: That's amazing. And so cool. So, all right, so let's back up a little bit and tell tell us what it is that you do. Like you're the daring horseman, which conveys a lot, but tell us what you do. It's so cool.
1: <laughs> my draft horses uh, canter in a 40 foot circle uh, in inside of an enclosed ring. And I do a uh, backflip from one horse to another horse at the canter. I jump through a fire hoop. I roam and ride to two of my horses and the woman that works with me, she stands on my shoulders and uh, you we, we basically we stand on horses for a living.
0: <laughs> Were you a vaulter, a, a competitive vaulter at any point?
1: Uh, no, I was not. Uh, I started out at the ripe age of six years old, um, tumbling. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a, a tumbler, uh, by nature, I guess, um, or by nurture, I don't know. Uh, but I start, I started on stage when I was six years old, um, working at the Renaissance festivals with my parents, and then, um, when I was 15, I moved to uh, Orlando to work at uh, the, sh- the show called Arabian Nights. Oh, yeah. That was there for a long time. We did time. a show there. We um, did
0: this show, Horses in the Morning, we did at uh, Ringside. Uh, years, oh, you did? Years ago, yeah. We were friends what, with the people um, who ran Arabian uh, Nights. Yeah. What year? Oh, I don't know. It was probably 10, 11 years ago. Um,
1: 10, 11 years ago? Yeah, I yeah. was probably there.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and what's course, ironic think, is Allison and I are both Rennies, friends. so uh, yeah, that's what I that that's what I heard. Yeah, so in the early um, days, yeah,
1: yeah, this was yeah. I, I grew up. Um, uh, my parents have been doing Renaissance fairs for forty five years, I think, and I'm only thirty five, so um, <laughs> this is where yeah, that's where I grew up.
0: So, did you do the night thing? Did you do you do jousting? I and did stuff? do the
1: jousting. Yeah. Yep, I did do the jousting um, and all the sword fighting and. Blood spatter and all the fun acting stuff that goes along with it. Yeah, we did that for. Uh, I did that on and off for like three years, four years.
0: We're not going to see blood at uh, Fantasia, right? They we're not doing that, right?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, not unless the horse headbutts me, and, uh, like what happened to me in Evansville. But, um, <laughs> my horse headbutted me right before the act, and he, he got scared by he got scared by one of the aerialists and headbutted me and dragged me backstage and. Oh, we calmed down every, you know, we calmed down and everything. And then I realized that I was like squirting blood out of my head.
0: All right, now, oh. Allison. Can you make a note yeah. to have an ambulance standing by for the show? We uh, got <laughs> just make a uh, note that. Yeah. that
1: maybe... J- just for the mistakes, not for the dangerous stuff. Just for the little stuff.
2: <laughs> right, right. You can jump yeah. through fire, but like if the horse headbutts you, that's what we need the ambulance for. That's <laughs> that's
0: right. what, exactly. You yeah. always get hurt on the ground, so, yeah, I, not I, on the horse. Right. That's what always happens. I always get hurt on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the hardest thing uh, with your act? What's the hardest thing of working with the draft horses?
1: I would say the hardest part of working with draft horses is budgetary.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: Um, a bale of hay a day. They, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know, I, you know, it's not so much the hay that gets me. It's the shavings. Mm-hmm. Um, we fly through bedding, um, mm-hmm. especially like, you know, I, I, I keep a very a very high standard in the barn, um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're you know we're rocking like six or seven bags of shavings a day, um, and uh, that's really where the money goes. Like the hey, you know, if we find like you know $5. 50, 6 bucks a bale, then it's great, and it's you know that's totally fine. I love feeding the horses. I just the bedding is what really gets me.
0: Every time I talk about getting a draft horse again, my wife reminds me one how much they eat and two how much they poop. She reminds me <laughs> oh, of, both yeah. of those
2: things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the the yeah, definitely there's definitely a lot of full buckets.
2: I was gonna say, would it be cheaper to just shred paper money and put it in the stall instead of buying like
1: you know, like use pennies as betting. <laughs> <laughs> That'd
2: be cheaper. I mean nobody uses pennies anymore. So like, That's you know hilarious.
1: Right, pennies is a very old world thing to do, you know.
0: So I assume <laughs> that with your gig you're traveling all the time.
1: We are traveling all the time.
0: Um, I'm currently on my 14th city this year. Second old, or is it still fun, or both?
1: Um, well, I I grew up on the road, so uh, the longest that um, the longest time that I've ever spent in one spot was actually during COVID, mm-hmm. and uh, so we were off uh, we were off work for um, for 16 months, and that was the longest time by a long shot that I'd stayed in one spot. Um, so no, I've got I I have wagon wheels for feet.
0: <laughs> okay, um, got it. Yeah, did you... I, I,
1: I really, I, I really love being on the road. Sorry, go ahead.
2: How did you entertain yourself during those sixteen months of COVID?
1: Uh, I bought
2: a I bought
1: a new big Ardennes, um and uh, uh, got him ready for the shows, and uh, and I had a baby.
2: Oh, well, that'll keep you busy.
0: A human baby? I, mean,
1: I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I was just going to say the way you helped. said that. I just helped.
0: Yeah. You better clarify that.
1: I thought, let, 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 yeah, let me clarify. I sired a kid. <laughs>
0: that's that's better, I think, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <Just saying. laughs> what's your what, What's your child's
2: uh, name?
1: <laughs> <is> it, <laughs> um, uh, his name is Dante.
2: Aww, oh, what a that's name. So
0: sweet. Yeah. Well, how's awesome. that work having a kid now and being on the road all the time? Now you you opened another can of worms. I have to ask about.
1: Um. Well, you know, I uh, my wife and I kind of just look at it as having another animal. To be honest, <laughs>
0: it's uh, true. Drag him it's along.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, like we we bought we bought the the little pack and play thing, and and mm-hmm. I, I was like I was like, hey, cool, we just got another stall. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, we get, we just got a little stall for the kid. Um, yep. so, you know, I mean, I was, I was raised on the road. I, I grew up in a, um, like my, my parents, uh, didn't buy a house until, uh, until I was 10. Um, so I grew up in a 67 Greyhound bus. Um, oh, fun. and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was really, it was charming. And, and my mother did a really great job with the interior and my dad did a great job with the construction and the driving. Um, and, uh, you know, we made home, we made home at every fair that we went to and, um, and so now, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a bus. I have a, an 18 wheeler, uh, with the front section of the trailer is our, uh, is our house. And so, um, so my son, my son's going to grow up in a semi, not a bus.
0: How many, <laughs> well, you know, what I was thinking about your son, he, you know, he poops as much as what the Percherons. it seems like sometimes, right? Yeah, so.
1: uh, he, he, oh, <laughs> he did when he was six months.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> Talk about shaving. <laughs> so how many horses do you travel with to do the shows? Um, so I have three,
1: um, I have three draft horses and, uh, and my partner has, um, six, um, uh, Shetland ponies.
0: So you travel with nine? Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, yep. she, does she drive? Is that why the Shetlands?
1: Um, well, she drives, uh, so we, yeah, we, we have two units on the road. Um, I have 26 tires on, on the ground at all times. Uh, so i I drive the semi and the semi has all the animals, and then um the the, the dodge has a, a twenty seven foot uh, box trailer that we have all the equipment and the stalls and gotcha. I carry like five thousand pounds of rubber um, because sometimes you know sometimes we'll work inside of buildings and um so I have like a I have a fifty by fifty foot um, rubber floor that we put down for the horses. And then we have all the stalls, like all the stalls, like the rubber for the stalls and then the rubber for the aisleways. And, you know, this I, makes I'm me insane. tired I, I mean, just thinking about it. it.
0: Caleb makes yeah, me tired just work. thinking about this.
1: <laughs> it's I, yeah, it makes me tired talking about it because all of it is out of the trailer right now. It's all down and we have to pack up next week. So I'm kind of. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, so what kind of show, what are we going to what kind of things are we going to see at Fantasia uh, at Equine Affair in the fall?
1: Um, so in the fall, um, you can expect to see my act with the, the the backflip from horse to horse and the fire hoop and the Roman riding. Um, and uh, and then you can expect also to see um, something that I've never actually I've never seen before um, until now. Um, my partner uh, Roman rides um, six ponies. Wow. Um, she, um, yeah, she comes out, um, she Roman rides two, and she comes out with four abreast in hand in front. Um, so she drives the four while standing on the two. Um, and then they, um, they have a lovely bit of choreography where they go from, from four abreast to six up, um, in a line. And, uh, and then she jumps over fire, um, with them. Uh, she does like a slalom. We get a bunch of people, uh, and line up all the people and she does the slalom, uh with the with the six up you know swallowing through uh you know like weaves through the people and then yeah and then she jumps over fire and and uh, we call it a day
2: <laughs> you're so casual she jumps over fire yeah, you know. i jump through fire hoops you know the usual yeah, well you
1: know we've we've already done it like 280 times this year right <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I try to be casual about it because it is like, if you, it, you know, if I do stop and think about it, it, it is kind of crazy. So I don't, I, I, you know, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Flippantly. I, I jump through fire.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Just don't, you know, just don't think about it. It's just what you do. You go do exactly. it again. Just keep, yeah. Just
1: keep it yeah. light. You know, sometimes I have to do yeah. this three, three times a day. So like, I, I don't think about it like flipping from one horse to another horse. I just think about it as going out there and doing it
2: that's inspiring i think i'm gonna start applying that to to dangerous things that i do because you know i jump through fire too like you do yeah glenn knows this i jump through fire hoops all the time
0: (laughs) i think she means at work work. (laughs) caleb where can people is it the daring horseman on instagram is that the best place for them to follow you
1: um, sure, if you'd like to check me out, I'm I'm not um, super internet savvy, but uh, some pictures end up making it out there.
0: Very good. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to seeing you in the fall, and thanks for joining us. It's been a lot of fun.
2: Absolutely, my pleasure. Equine Affairs musical celebration of the horse, Fantasia, is returning to the Eastern States Exposition for three spectacular performances on November 10th, 11th, and 12th, 2022. Sponsored by Absorbine, this year's Fantasia features bareback vaulting, drill team routines, reining, fast-paced driving, an exciting performance featuring Icelandic horses, and more. Tickets for this beloved family tradition are on sale now at equineaffair.com, and seats sell fast, so get yours today.
0: Terry Jenkins is coming up next. Terry Jenkins is the captain and founder of Canadian Cowgirls, an elite precision drill team that features 28 passionate, spectacular women astride 28 smart, strong horses. The Cowgirls have performed in front of the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall, toured the USA and Canada extensively, and have also won many awards. We're excited to share that they'll be joining us in Massachusetts for Fantasia. Hi, Terry. Thanks for joining us this this morning. Howdy, it's a great day to ride. I'll tell you what, uh, we interviewed you 11 years ago because the Canadian cowgirls were heading to the Rose Bowl Parade.
4: Yes, uh, we went to the Rose Bowl in 2013, so uh, New Year's Day, the very first day of 2013, and uh, we enjoyed ourselves very much there, and we only could have the credentials to go there by doing amazing events like Equine Affair.
0: Well, I'm I'm excited that you're here and you're going to be at Equine Affair this year because I'll get to see you. But, you know, so what makes the Canadian Cowgirls, uh, you know, your precision drill team, different from others? Why is it so popular?
4: Well, the Canadian Cowgirls are an elite uh, drill team but we're a show team more so than a competition team. So we have the opportunity to design and choreograph drills that the public can follow and enjoy. And a lot of competition drills have a lot of uh, criteria, and it's more complicated than sometimes. it, it, It sometimes looks like horses are running everywhere, but a drill judge would understand what was happening but the audience may not so we choreograph to be very predictable and but yet we always put in a surprise so um the Canadian cowgirls offer we have an eagle in one of our acts so it's Eddie the eagle and he flies like an eagle and uh he's a has a 60 foot wingspan and he's carried by three girls and he actually flies like an eagle. Uh, we do our our act in the dark with lights on our costume. That's another one of our acts. We do a maypole act where um, our, uh, they're suspended from the ceiling, our beautiful um, fringes that we do intricate maneuvers around each other, but we're all attached to the ceiling. And uh, things that other people... Um, don't get the opportunity to uh, do because they're not a show team. We uh, choreograph and design things that they're going to give you a little bit of a surprise when you re- when you come and see the Canadian cowgirls. So how we do we try to incorporate a surprise in every act?
0: How does somebody become I'm, part of the team? Do they is it like a sorority where you have to pledge or you know ride your horse backwards for twenty five thousand <laughs> miles? You know how do, how do you do that? Uh,
4: Typically, we're just ordinary girls with ordinary horses, but when we put what we do together with the enthusiasm for the, and the love of and passion of it, uh, we become something extraordinary, and we really resonate with an audience. We like to reach out and connect with them and draw them into the, into the show, but also make them feel like, oh, I could do that, or maybe I'd like to do that one day. So uh, Canadian cowgirls are a club. So the club um, works, they pay uh, an annual fee, but we have sponsors to help the girls with that. They pay an annual membership fee and uh, all the girls uh, are ages 12 to uh, great grandmothers. So um, everyone brings in their sponsorship, which helps us pay our fixed expenses for the year And then um, we, as I say, we're a show team, so we do rodeo drill, Uh, we have a rodeo contract where we do 18 rodeo venues a year, and that helps us buy some of the equipment that we need. And when we go to a special event like the Rose Bowl, or to the Calgary Stampede, we sold, uh, because everything has to be real flowers at the Rose Bowl, we sold roses, so in honor or memory of someone, you could purchase a rose and we would put it on our horse. That uh, girl particularly would put it on her horse and then you would be part of the Rose Bowl parade too with your purchase of your rose. So we raised $96,000 to go to the Rose Bowl because we weren't going in our work clothes, you might say. <laughs> and, uh, we went there and uh, The Calgary Stampede, we sold um, silk maple leaves and we spray painted them red and sold them and people signed the back of them and uh, we put them on our horses for the parade and we won Best Horse Entry in the Calgary Stampede Parade out of 850 horses. Wow. So when we go places, we're not a competition team and we often go and don't realize that they're awarding Places, but when you do your best, we put our best foot forward and uh, usually gets recognized.
2: That's fantastic. I I wanted to kind of circle back to something you said at the beginning of this answer about, um, you said girls ages 12 to great-grandmothers are in the, the club?
4: Yes, absolutely.
2: That's a, so I love that. Everything That's in so...
4: between. What, what really... Um, young girls love what we do. So we have a junior program here at, at TJ Stables in Chatham, Ontario, Canada. And all of our students that we have at our farm, our riding students, aspire, some of them aspire to be cowgirls. So when they become old enough or have a certain amount of skill, they have to, you know, and some, some of our riders are, you don't have to be as good as it, it as you think. Um, if you you can walk, trot, canter, use your leg on your horse to move them over and get a good stop, you can be on the drill team. You don't have to know a lot of high skills because depending where we would put you in that drill. So some of our riders are uh, shy and nervous, and uh, so we put them in a follow spot for a while, and they get their confidence, and next thing you know, they're... Uh, uh, Growing in the in our junior program, and then they come on up into the Canadian cowgirls. they're invited to come so uh, right now we have sixteen riders um, and then we have our juniors we can draw from if we are short a shorter rider for any reason and that's how we invite the junior riders to come along with us and perform as ground crew so they get to know the rhythm of the team and We get to know if they get homesick, they aren't ready yet. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like such an amazing
2: kind of a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience for a young girl to get to, like, join and and learn and rise through the ranks and learn from so many different horsewomen of different ages and and generations. I mean, that's so cool.
4: That is very cool, Um, and it keeps us older girls young because now we know all the latest hip-hop dances, (laughs) <laughs> you know all the expressions, so no one can pull the wool over our eyes with <laughs> the foreign language of youth. And uh, we have a we have a really good relationship. And but that's what horses do. Horses are universal. They are they bridge cultures, they bridge countries, and they become ambassadors. When we come to the United States, the horse is the ambassador between two countries. But they also are a bridge of of the generation. There is no gap when you have a horse. You uh, enjoy and laugh and ride and uh, do the social part of it. Just like you know, it doesn't matter what age. You both you have a common denominator, and that's the horse.
2: Absolutely. And that was beautifully said. Um, So so speaking of you guys coming to the United States, we're we're so excited you'll be joining us for Fantasia this fall in Massachusetts. What do tell us a little bit about the show? What do you what do you have in store for us?
4: Well, we haven't um, done we we haven't done our light show in Massachusetts for quite some time. So this year we decided to dust it off and get it out and uh, do the light the light show. The light show features a a military salute uh, to the brave servicemen and women uh, of both countries, but also their families because and and we uh, if we if you think about it, it isn't the just the uh, military service persons that have made sacrifices it's those little shoes you see at the daycare mm-hmm. along some little feet that their mummy and daddy might be overseas uh, serving or they might be putting on their flak jackets and camo to keep you know to bear arms for our countries and that goes for both countries so We do a tribute to that military and we're really proud to do that and uh, we've been in the trenches with all kinds of nations and again we want to recognize that. So that's part of our act. We also have an act that we do that isn't as glamorous as the other acts we do but it's certainly as inspiring or more so and it's called The Pony Man. And we are contacting a local therapeutic program in the Massachusetts area. And they will be attending uh, with their riders. And they will ride our horses. And it's a play on horseback, basically, to the song from Michael Martin Murphy at The Pony Man. And the ponies. The children are sleeping in their beds when the ponyman comes to town in their dreams. And they leave the earthly bounds of their disability or their challenges, and they climb onto the back of a horse. And the ponyman becomes a pirate, and he takes them on this marvelous journey. And it's a little drill that is... Uh, with sidewalkers walking beside the children and leading the horses, but they use cowgirl horses. And uh, we do this play on horseback. So most of the time the acts are performing for the audience, but here's an opportunity for the audience to be part of these children's lives and give them an opportunity so that uh, the children will have the actual children that are involved in the act will have an opportunity to see what it feels to be a star. So that's called the Pony Man, and it is—it's uh, uh, a standing ovation every single time we do it. We haven't done it for ten years, so we're bringing it back to life. Oh, that's awesome! That sounds really sweet,
2: and oh, I, I can't wait to been, see it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. COVID has been really a struggle for all everyone, so mm. it's nice to come back and do, uh, come back to Massachusetts and uh, Equine Affair, both in Ohio and in Massachusetts, are one of our favorite events because the uh, committee there is so easy to work with and very respectful of our knowledge and uh, we can usually work together and create something amazing and uh, you will have some amazing entertainment at uh, Massachusetts this year. And so get your tickets because it's going to be amazing. It's
2: going to be quite the show. And, and we're so glad to have you guys back. So so tell us, um, how can people learn more about the Canadian Cowgirls?
4: Well, you can visit our website. It's CanadianCowgirls.com. Or like us on Facebook. It's Canadian Cowgirls.
0: Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's CanadianCowgirls.com, is where you can find it. And of course, we'll be seeing you in the fall. Thanks, Terry. Yahoo! Would you like to earn free admission and work with other horse lovers on a really exciting event? Volunteer at Equine Affair. We're looking for volunteer staff to help put North America's premier equine expo and equestrian gathering together. Happening November 10th through the 13th, 2022 in West Springfield, Massachusetts. Volunteers can earn free admission and a classy souvenir. Visit equineaffair.com for details on how to volunteer today. And you get to meet us. So that's an added bonus. Oh, yeah. Well, this was fun. I had so much fun. And we actually got to talk to Caleb for the, for the auditors who caught the post show that we did the la- on the first episode, which, by the way, they absolutely loved. We talked oh, all Renfair for like half an hour. So <laughs> once Caleb, once we were done interviewing Caleb, we talked Renfair again for another 20 minutes. I should put that yes. in the post show because it's so much fun. But we know a lot of the same people. And it's funny, I was in that 30 years ago, you're in it, you know, you're, you've been in it for a long time. Yet we know a lot of the same people. That's how small that world really is.
2: Oh, it's teeny tiny and everybody is super nice. Turns out stuff. I know his dad.
0: <laughs> so, yes. yeah. Yeah. What a good guy. What a fun. Uh, what a good yep. batch of guests today. And I'm, I'm now I'm really looking forward to Fantasia. I really am. Well, yeah, yeah. it's going to be killer. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Now, did they have to buy tickets separately for that? How's that work?
2: Uh, yes, so tickets for Fantasia are separate. Uh, you would buy your general admission tickets online, and then you can go and buy your Fantasia tickets online at equinafair.com And I would advise you to buy them early because they sell out, especially for Friday and Saturday nights.
0: Can you put one aside for the podcast host? Um, well. Sure. Okay, good. Yeah, good I being. can I can make that happen. All right, good. Thanks. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> all right, thanks, everybody, for joining us. If you want to catch past episodes of the Equine Affair episodes, just go to Horses in the Morning, scroll down to the middle of the page, you're going to see a little, a little banner for Equine Affair. Click on it, and it'll bring up the past episodes. We've only had one past one, but uh, that's how you'll find them in the future if you want to go back and listen to past episodes. And uh, where can they find all the information about Equine Affair and buy tickets? and do all of that
2: you can go to equineaffair.com that's equineaffair with an e on the end.com or you can follow us on facebook at equineaffair
0: very good Uh, and we appreciate you joining us this week as we're on the road we're going to be continuing horses in the morning here tomorrow and all next week we're just going to be doing it uh, from uh, well next week we'll be in texas so we look forward to having you join us there thank you allison and we'll talk to you again in a month Yes, sir. Thank you.